Hey everybody, it's Preston here with a quick note uh, before we start this episode. You know, for four episodes now, we have been bringing you a weekly check-in with Andy, and I really appreciate Andy opening up and sharing some of his, you know, personal life with the rest of us. It's been really insightful for me and helpful for me as I navigate this journey of working for myself. If you've enjoyed the show and uh, and you've gotten something out of the show, we'd really love to hear from you. In fact, 10,000 of you have listened to the show so far, so thank you so very much. If you have the Apple Podcast app, we'd love an honest rating and review. Just open up the app, give us however many stars you feel like we deserve, and then tell us why by leaving a comment. Leaving ratings and reviews can help others find the show and benefit from it as well. Thank you so much. And now on to episode four. It's more that I've been pushing my rate up till a point where I feel comfortable until I feel like I'm where the where the market is. But if you were to take my salary from my previous job, you know, convert it to hourly, I charge more than double what I was making before. Hello, and welcome to episode four of My Freelance Life, a brand new podcast from the team here at Milo.co. I'm Preston, and with me on the air today is my friend, Andy. Welcome back. If you've listened to the show before, you know by now that Andy recently quit his job to start freelancing full-time. And this show is a weekly check-in with Andy to see what really happens when you decide to be your own boss. In today's episode, Andy and I chat about some of the major differences between working a day job and freelancing full-time. We'll talk about how much to charge, setting deadlines for yourself, finding the right kind of clients, and balancing billable and non-billable hours plus lots more. Show notes for this episode can be found at freelancelifepodcast.com slash four. That's just the number four. This episode of My Freelance Life is brought to you by our friends at FreshBooks, the number one invoicing software for freelancers. Here at Milo, I work with thousands of freelancers every day, and the number one invoicing app that a huge majority of our audience is always talking about is FreshBooks. It's not hard to see why either. See, FreshBooks has been serving the freelance community for years. Their founder, Mike, was a freelancer long before he started the company, so they know exactly what freelancers need in their day-to-day work life. With FreshBooks, you can send invoices in less than 30 seconds, you can send proposals, plus here's one of my personal favorite features, you can send automatic reminder emails for clients who just can't seem to pay their bill on time. You can try the all-new, totally revamped FreshBooks completely free for 30 days by visiting freshbooks.com Andy. And when they ask, how did you hear about us? Just type Andy. Thanks to FreshBooks for supporting freelancers everywhere. All right, Andy, now to the good stuff. How is freelance life treating you, my man? Freelance life has been, um, let's see, I'm trying to think specifically over the past few weeks, how have things been? They've been good. For a while, it got kind of crazy, and then it slows down. Maybe this is just the nature of it. I mean, it, it makes sense that it would be, but it's really crazy and hectic and trying to finish projects on time and juggling a bunch and staying up into late hours. And then all of a sudden it's like, you're waiting around and you think, should I go out and get more clients or is it going to build up again here? And I don't want to get myself in a pickle. Oh yeah. That's, so, I never thought about that. Like that's a, that's a, when I, so in the short stint that I was freelancing, I mean, I, 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 you know, most of the listeners know I run my own business now, but, but we wouldn't necessarily call it freelancing, which is why I love being on calls with you because you're like 100% what I would call a freelancer. You're like living the freelancing dream. And, um, but when I was freelancing, I wasn't as as sophisticated in my processes as you. This was, I don't know, eight or nine years ago. <clears throat> and so I never had that problem of like, well, I don't want to get more clients because I might have too much work. It was always like, well, how are we going to pay the bills next month? It was always very like famine in the feast and famine cycle. 
but that's really interesting. So yeah, how do you how do you balance like um, knowing when enough clients is enough? How, how, how have you been figuring that out? Well, I I want to clarify. I think because I'm in the in the same boat. It's not that I have too much work, and I I, I guess yeah, it's not a, it's not a matter of too much work, but about balancing it because. And this isn't necessarily balancing the amount of clients that I have, but the the way that I work on and finish those projects is something I'm learning how to do because um, it still is for for me uh, the the goal and the the work that I'm doing is to replace my previous income. And mm-hmm. I might I I was thinking about this that a few episodes ago it might have been misleading the way I talked about it because. Um, I think it was when we were talking about my what my days like day to day, and it sounded very like posh and nice, and I only work a few hours. And seriously, <laughs> you like wake I, up. At, yeah, I remember yeah. it was and, like I wake up at like ten, and then I I go to the gym or something, and then yeah. I start working around noon or one. Yeah, I know it sounded great actually. And I was like, <laughs> I work for a few hours, and that is kind of how it had been going. But I think I kid you not, I think it was that very same day. Um, my wife and I were looking again at the budget and everything. And it just like, we saw again, like, wow, I'm not quite hitting where I need to be hitting. And so like that same day after I told you how like relaxed and chill everything was, I realized like I need to be spending. Well, actually there's two things that, that could happen and maybe should happen together. One, I need to be spending less time doing the in-between work. That's not billable time. And then two, Mm. I need to just be, filling more time so they they kind of feed off of each other but anyway so that being said like i'm still in that same place i'm not trying to uh figure out the times like that i should not take on new work because i have too much that i more than i need but it's more of managing having a steady amount got it and and like getting projects done on time and not yeah. Not having like a hundred projects one week and no projects the next week yeah. kind of thing. Or there will be maybe, okay. you know, I have a handful of projects in my queue that I've I have talked with the clients and figured out, you know, what, what needs to be built and everything. And one person says, Okay, I need this done in a few days, and the other one says, Oh, it can take two or three weeks. And so sometimes I'll, you know, put, you know, when I manage those projects, I write down, Okay, this needs to be done in two or three weeks. And then because I'm busy taking care of all the ones that needed to be done quickly all of a sudden the two to three week project is there and it needs to be done in a few days. And so I'm learning how to um, better handle that, I, I guess. Hopefully I'm learning how I'm dealing with it, but I need to be wow, learning. Fascinating. How to. So I'm curious, I want to go back to this thought too of um, of like non-billable work that you, you, you're saying you need to not only do what you just mentioned, but like also find a balance between billable and non-billable work and, and, and sort of, you said two things have to happen at once. And the first thing I think was reduce in between hours, you yeah. called them, yeah. non-billable hours, hours you can't charge a client for. What kind of work are you doing that's that you can't charge a client for? And, and have you thought through like how to reduce those hours without sort of taking a hit to your business? Yeah, I think part of it is the nature of the work I do. And part of it is maybe just my own personal quirks and whatnot. But the types of things that I would, put in that category are, uh, well, the looking for jobs, uh, proactively going out. For me, 
this is on Upwork right now, and you know, looking through the job feed and finding things to apply to. Though I don't do that as often now as I'm replying to invitations where I'm passively getting a chance to look at job postings. And uh, but even Very still, cool. all that stuff that happens before a contract is agreed on and starts is not billable. So the time that I spent writing up proposals, the time I spent researching certain topics to make sure that I have a good grasp on what they want to do and that I can, you know, pull it off in a in a in a way that they would be pleased with and so on. All this stuff that happens before I feel comfortable saying, yes, I'll do this. Um, not to mention sometimes this involves uh, initial consultation calls with a client. I guess you could call it an interview or or whatever. And sometimes those um, start to get into the realm of what I would want to be billable because there's a lot of advisement and consultation going on on those calls, but it's before the contract sure. is signed, so I can't bill it. Sometimes, I, I don't know, it's it's something that I take on a case-to-case basis. Sometimes I will bill those after the fact if I can add manual time to a contract and say, you know, this is for our initial consultation. Sometimes I just say, you know, there are businesses out there that offer, you know, a free 30-minute consultation. And, and so sometimes I think of it in that way, like it's part of my interview process. It's part of me proving to them that I can do what they're looking for. And that's one of the big ones, I'd say, one of the non-billable. There are other things as well. It's really interesting because, you you know, from a client point of view, you hear clients all the time saying like, I'm not going to pay you 80 bucks an hour. Yeah. I make 25 bucks an hour, right? <laughs> or whatever. Like it's, it's really hard. And, and obviously those numbers are made up. I don't know. I don't know what you charge or, or lots of the listeners charge lots and a whole range of, of different prices per hour. Some charge by the project, some do value-based pricing, but, um, but you can quickly see, you know, as you start to talk about the process, Andy, it's, it's easy for me to see why you need to, charge more than maybe what you were making at your day job. So again, I don't know what you were making, but but let's say you were making, you know, $20 an hour at your day job and you start freelancing. If you only charge $20 an hour, you've got all this sort of overhead work that has to be compensated for somewhere. And so lots of freelancers, I assume, yeah. probably build that into their hourly rate. You know, are I mean, are you considering doing that or have you sort of already built that in or are you just figuring out the math as you go now or where are you at in that sort of stage? Yeah, that's that's exactly what's going on. I don't build it in uh, specifically. I haven't like calculated the hours I spend and, and try to account for that. It's more that I've been pushing my rate up till a point where I feel comfortable until I feel like I'm where the where the market is. But it it definitely is. I've tried. If you were to take my salary from my previous job, you know, convert it to hourly, I charge more than double what I was making before. But that's, again, all coming back to billable hours. So it sounds great, like, but I'm definitely not making twice the salary I was making before because- Because you may be working half the hours or less for now. And and part of that is intentional because one of the reasons I wanted to move this direction was so that I wouldn't have to work the same amount of hours. But even still, there's the addition of all these non-billable um, items that need to be done. Not to mention there's the Upwork fee that comes out on the freelancer's side of the equation. So even though to the client I'm making or I'm charging more than double what I made before, you take out the Upwork fee, you add in all the the work that I do that is non-billable, plus there's the the taxes that I pay. Well, I guess that that was happening before as well if you're considering before tax salary. But anyway, all these things go into account 
I don't have an exact number of how I generate it. Like I know that I spend on average uh, two hours per per 10 hour project or whatever. I haven't done any of that math, but I have been tracking that yeah. somewhat so that once I had enough data and I felt so inclined to dig into the numbers, I could go back and look at how many projects I've done, how many hours I've billed and how many, how much I've tracked on non-billable work and try to come up with an average and see. But I haven't done that precise of, of math on it yet. It'll be really interesting to watch, you know, over the next few months and see how precise you feel like you need to get on that. I there's there's all these uh, you know, freelance calculators, rate calculators or whatever, and so many of them are just like, well, how many hours do you want to work and how much do you want to make in a year? And uh and then push calculate and that tells you your hourly rate. And I'm like, God, I don't I mean, I that can be like motivating and fun, but I'm not sure that's accurate. I mean, there's just so much that goes into like, you know, depending on your life situation, you have to make a certain amount of money leaving your job. We've talked about this on the show. You can't just like leave your job and and hope that something works out. Some people can depending on your life situation, but a lot of people have a mortgage to pay or have a family to feed or, or whatever. And, and, and you can't just leave and hope that you can charge the right amount and get enough clients and enough work to make it all happen. Um, I'm definitely a fan of like having a bit of a safety net and a plan. Um, and, and, and that could be anywhere from what you did where you had sort of this plan of freelancing and you had a few clients under your belt and you knew the process to where I probably overdid it and had a side business for like eight years before I finally took it full time. And <clears throat> I just, I just think like there's so much that goes into that calculation of figuring out what your hourly rate is and it probably changes from time to time. So it'll be fun to watch. I'd love an update maybe in a few yeah. episodes of like any changes you've made to, you know, your, your rate and why and how you figured it out and how you made that calculation. That'll be, that'll be really yeah. interesting to watch. I want to, I want to, if we can shift gears just a little bit, but when we were off the air earlier, you told me that, um, and you mentioned this previously just a few minutes ago that you were, you stayed up really, really late working yeah. on a client that, project. Well, that's actually happened a couple of times. Okay. <laughs> There's this one client that, uh, well, most of the time I do projects that are hourly projects. I don't often do fixed price projects. Uh, maybe that's just because of the luck of the draw, what comes through, or maybe I feel myself more drawn to those because I like the more guarantee that if, cause you don't know at the onset how long a project's going to take. But anyway, all that being said, this was a fixed price project. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if it's mentally, like I don't, view it the same way but this one client twice i have pulled all-nighters and it's not like by any means the project's fault or the client's fault it's it comes down to how i viewed it going into it and how much time i thought it would take and then throw in you know a dash of procrastination and then there we are the night before it's due and i sit down to do it <laughs> and i keep working and i keep working and i work for that the couple times it's happened like 10 or 12 hours straight i just work clear through to the night till like he needs it the next morning or whatever. And then I'm emailing it to him then. And I don't know why this has happened twice. It hasn't happened on anyone else, but it's happened twice for the same client. And, and uh, yeah, that's it. But actually the one I mentioned earlier was a different one, not an all nighter, but the other day I did, I stayed up till like four in the morning or something. Granted, it wasn't all spent on the, on this project, but yeah, I've found myself in that situation a couple times where I have a project and I've told them, you know, this 
element or maybe the whole project will be complete by a certain day. And I find myself on that day. And uh, for this particular scenario, earlier in the day, I was working on finishing these other things. There were other clients that had like these immediate needs. And then all of a sudden I realized, oh, here's, well, not, I, I didn't say that, right? It wasn't all of a sudden I realized. I knew at the beginning of the day that I had a project due the following day, but I didn't get to it till that evening because I was busy, you know, kind of putting out fires for another client. And then here we were, this was a case of one of those that two weeks before I had written down the due date, this is due in two weeks. And then all of a sudden we're here the night before. And so I just kind of had to sit down and, and make it happen. But that was the nature of this most recent episode. That's really, that's really fun. Uh, I, I guess I'm sort of talking about it like it's a bad thing, but, but I guess the luxury of a freelance lifestyle is I'm guessing you slept in the next day. I mean, if you're at an office you you and a project is due and you stay late and you work your tail off, then you have to usually be there the next morning at, yeah. you know, 8.30 or 9 o'clock or whatever. I don't know. Did, it, t- tell me, like, is, is this, are you sort of fine with it? Are you, do you prefer to work late into the day? Do you, are you more creative and high functioning, like uh, on a deadline, last minute? Like, tell me a little bit about maybe why this happened and if it was a good or bad thing. I don't necessarily think that I'm, I work better at night. I think I work better when I'm working better and that can happen anytime. Sometimes it does happen at night where I get in the zone and I'll just cruise, but that could just as easily happen during the day, I think. So it's not that night has anything specific about it. I would prefer not to do that just because I like to, well, for one, I don't like having to worry about it at the last minute. But also I'd prefer to to not stay up late because I like I don't like the way it would affect the the following day because I'd rather wake up earlier. But what you said is it's yeah, it's totally nice that being a freelancer I can do that. That I stay up all night one day, I could sleep in the next day. I'd rather not, but it's nice that that is to at least have the, option, the flexibility yeah. that comes with So I'm so you know, given deadlines and well, let's back up and talk about deadlines for a second. Do you set your own deadlines? Does a client set the deadline? Do you agree on deadline together? Is there sort of like a standard way in Upwork that it's done or or, or can you be flexible? Tell me about deadlines and how they work in, in your particular business. All right. The, well, deadlines, there is something within Upwork where you, I believe where the client can set where when the project is due, but that's almost never been something like, it's usually something we just talk about and decide on. Sometimes it's explicitly stated okay. like, I need this done by Monday or I need this done by Friday at 3 p.m. my time or whatever. But sometimes it's a, it's a bit more flexible. It's like, oh yeah, I need this done sometimes sometime before this date out in the future. And that does kind of set a deadline because it has to be done before that day. But when that happens, I'll sometimes give myself deadlines in between so, or a deadline earlier on, just so I know that if it gets close to that and it's not done, I still have a little bit of a buffer, but usually it's something that we just decide on between the client and me. And sometimes they don't specifically say something, but after we've discussed the project, then I can say, I'll tell them, you know, I could do this in about this much time. And then they often will agree to that or unless they have specific needs there. And then if you miss your deadline or, or whatever, is there like a penalty in Upwork or just the penalty of sort of disappointing a client and potentially losing them or 
or whatever. Like if you if you go a day over your deadline I, or I whatever, don't know of be. like an explicit rule on this within Upwork. There is definitely what you said. Like if you've passed up a deadline and there's no good reason for it, then I imagine the client would not leave great feedback for you, or at least in that particular category. And that could not only hurt future relationships with them, but also affect how other people view you when they see your profile and everything. Uh, I suppose if it was like, if it was a, a significant um, missing of the deadline or there was there were other things involved, then they could take that to Upwork and based on the contract and the things that were laid out and the things that were discussed, if you failed to meet that, then they could, then they would not be obligated to pay you, I imagine. Um, yeah, that, that's, that's the extent of the, of the yeah. hard and fast rules. I think mostly it's just a, a matter of wanting to make sure that they're happy with what they've received and in, in a timely manner. Well, great. What else is happening? I mean, what, what have we not talked about that you've been experiencing as you've been, as you've been freelancing and working with clients and working on Upwork and exploring your rate and staying up late, all of that. You know, what, what else last, has been happening? Our last episode, we talked, it was kind of like a, a focusing on the system of Upwork episode. And I realized after that there was an yeah. uh, yeah. element that I did not talk about, but was fairly significant, something that I learned. So in Upwork, there's this app that you download to your computer and then you use it to track your time. And while you're tracking your time, it will periodically take a screenshot and then so that it's like one per 10 minutes or something roughly it's not an exact thing and that just it creates a work diary so the client can look over it and and see that yes indeed if i'm billing or if i'm paying this person hourly i can see that they're working on things that look like what they should be doing and this isn't always necessary some uh some clients will select the option to allow you to log time manually where you can just go in after the fact and say oh, i worked two hours during this time and i worked an hour here and it doesn't take any screenshots in that case so if people aren't worried about the micromanaging and whatnot but i choose to use this even if someone has made it the the other option available simply because it's easier and I, i'm not worried about it so i just i use that to track my time and i don't have to enter it in after the fact but the thing that I learned is, so when, when a screenshot's taken, it notifies you and it pops it up like a notification on your computer and you can see what it just took a screenshot of and it says that you can delete it if you want. And I thought this was a, an innocent thing to do, you know, delete the screenshot if it was kind of an awkward time or whatever. And I thought, you know, maybe if you did that over and over, then it would it would create some alert for the client or whatever. But I mean, the, the times that this happened, it was it was fairly like innocent or benign, like maybe the screenshot happened right when I switched over to change a song on Spotify. And so it look, it just kind of looked bad, even though it's not like I'm just browsing Spotify while I'm on the clock. Or maybe a screenshot happened when a notification came in of a text from a friend or whatever. And it's like, I don't necessarily want to be sharing like personal things to the client. Or one that's actually can be fairly common for yep. me is because I'm working on scripting automations for people's G Suite, Gmail, Google Apps, and whatnot. And so I'm often uh, scripting like the sending of emails and I send them to myself to test it. And so I'll be over in my inbox and there's a whole list of all my messages and there's nothing like crazy, like secret information or like 
embarrassing things or anything, but still like when it takes a screenshot of my whole inbox, I don't necessarily want to share that with the client, but it's not that I was working on other work. Anyway, I've just been deleting these screenshots and I found out later that every time you delete a screenshot, it erases 10 minutes of work. Oh my gosh. And that uh, of your time logged, which I think I knew this, but I forgot or I didn't realize like it didn't click because I think I've seen it before. In fact, you can go in to your work diary after the fact. You don't have to delete it right in that moment. And you can check the boxes of the screenshots you want to delete. And and when you do, it does it, it tells you like right there. I don't know how I didn't realize what was going on, but it says, you know, this will delete 10 minutes or something the way. But for some reason, I didn't realize what was going on. And I realized it the other day some reason thankfully it clicked and i thought back and i thought man i have probably deleted hours of work oh no. simply because so now i i've been i've been less worried about if it happens to take a screenshot at an awkward time if i feel like i'm i obviously this wasn't the case before but like i'm not going to be spending all sorts of time doing other things but now i've i've started to care less about the particular time it takes a screenshot because it's not worth losing a sixth of an hourly rate. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's crazy. So yeah. And, and plus like the kinds of clients that you want to be working with are not the kinds that are reviewing every yeah. single little screenshot and like saying, Hey, I noticed you were in your email on this screenshot. What was happening there? Like yeah, exactly. if they're going to, if they're going to sort of nickel and dime your hours that way you i mean they're not a good long-term fit anyway probably right is my guess yeah i think that's a good point that you don't necessarily want those types of clients because well actually those might be the kinds of clients that are creating more of that unbillable time by asking you and talking to you about all these things and not to mention the fact that you don't want someone looking over your shoulder all the time you want somebody that sees the work that you do finds value in it and is willing to pay you for it. And there may be some people that maybe it's because they're starting out on their freelancing journey or the nature they work they do is is different than what I do or, or something where that's an acceptable thing. But I think I, I would I would guess that most, if not all, people would would be better off finding clients that just trust them and and won't be nitpicky about that sort of thing. But nevertheless that was a lesson I learned. I think it's interesting what you say because you basically, you said you want to try to find clients that see the value in the work that yeah. you do and then pay you accordingly. You basically just described value-based pricing, which is a huge argument in the in the freelancing space, right? Like, should I charge hourly? Should I charge by the project? Or should I charge by the value that I'm providing for my client? So I think it'll also be interesting to watch your journey as you explore hourly. You said, obviously, there's reasons you like hourly. There are definitely good arguments for charging hourly. You know, if you, like you said, if you go over scope or the client asks for more, then it makes more sense to charge them by the hour. But, you know, if you charge buy the project or you charge value-based then there's value in there's like value in finishing early you get paid more by the hour if you finish your project early so uh it, you know it'll be really interesting to watch i i think i don't think there's a necessarily a right or wrong way i think it just depends on sort of your style and what works for your business but I, i'm excited to see how that all pans out and if you feel like you know six months from now if like hourly is still the best or Maybe a mix. I've heard of people doing a mix where it's like, here's my base rate for this kind of project. And then anything over 
sort of the normal scope of the project. It'll be X dollars an hour. So it'll be interesting to watch your journey in terms of what you're able to charge. On Upwork, are you able to do other than hourly or is Upwork strictly hourly? Oh, you set a profile rate, which is hourly, but the 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 type of billing is set on a contract level. So a client can post a job and say, I have a $100 budget for this or a $500 budget, or some of them are, oh, okay. are large projects, okay. eight, $10,000 projects or whatever. But they can also post a job and say, and just post it as hourly, and then they make their decision based on on the, the rates that come in. Now that's when you make a proposal on a job posting, if it's a fixed price, say um, someone comes in and says, I have a $200 budget, you can still bid. You can say, all right, it's going to take me, I'll, I'll bid $200. Or sometimes people will bid lower or whatever. Similar to if they post an hourly job, you submit a proposal with your default rate or you can adjust it. So different different bid amounts are coming in regardless of whether it's an hourly or a project-based pricing. Sometimes it's difficult too when someone asks when they post a fixed price job because the details aren't fully known often at the time of submitting right. a proposal. So almost every single time I will, um, I can't think of an example when I haven't done this, I'll just bid and I'll just keep whatever budget they set. I don't offer anything lower or higher because, and now I'll usually tell them that in the proposal, I just kept your default budget until we figure mm. out, you know, further details and then we can adjust That's a good call. necessary, but like, don't try to have that conversation before they're even exploring you as an option. Yeah. And sometimes the, the job description is vague. Yeah. You know, they say, I'd like to, you know, create an automation between this spreadsheet and this service and that's it. And you don't know what the service is. You don't know, like there, there's a lot of details that need to mm. be straightened out before you know if it's going to take you three hours or seven or whatever. Interesting. How many freelancers would you say you're competing against on each job listing that you bid for? Uh, it does say on Upwork, it'll tell you a range. When you look at a job posting, it'll say- Like one to 50 freelancers being, have bid on this or yeah. something? And I think the, the range, it's less than five. It'll say less than five proposals, five to 10 proposals. Cool. 10 to 15, 15 plus, 30 plus, maybe something like that. And then it'll also tell you how many people are currently being interviewed, which are kind of like a client can see all the all the proposals that come in. They can shortlist them and then they can offer to interview you, which opens up a, the ability to have like a, a chat with them. And so you can see that as well, how many people they've selected for interview. So how many hours would you recommend or I guess I'd love to hear what you're doing and then maybe any recommendations that you have for anyone who wants to start freelancing, maybe while they're still at their day job or maybe they just left their job or just lost their job. But um, how many hours do you spend doing billable work versus this non-billable stuff of sending proposals and, and you know, you get a lot of invitations now, but in the beginning you were sort of searching up work for jobs that made sense with your skill set. How what, what recommendations do you have on that? hourly balance, I I'll guess. I'll spend sometimes 15 minutes to an hour of out looking for jobs and writing proposals and doing interviews for probably every one to two clients I get. And then each of those clients will be three plus, sometimes 10, 15, 20 hours more for a particular client. So what is that? One to one to two hours per ten to twenty. Oh, how about that? One to ten. Nah, that. Okay, now I'm just rambling. I don't know. 
<laughs> All right, we'll have you look it up, and then we'll another episode. You can update us on 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 the numbers if you if you can find some some straight up data on it. That's it's a really interesting. Like I'd I'd be interested to know from other freelancers how important that metric is. If that's something that other people, you know, you know, maybe you're not familiar with that metric just because you're you're sort of still just launching and and fairly new to the freelancing like i wonder if someone who's been doing this for like 10 years like knows that number like yeah. the back of their hand or if that number doesn't really matter so it would be interesting. i think that no. that might be part of it for me i i have the data on it i could pull up a report from upwork and i can look at i use um toggle to track my uh ec- extra curricular type time that's not billable so i could easily just pull up both of those and compare them but i haven't looked at it even though i've been tracking it because i don't think that will um, affect any change in what I do because I pretty much, I mean, it, it does serve as a motivation to spend less time on the non-billable hours when I see the report coming through my email every week that I spent so much time on whatever, but that's not how I decide how much I work or what I charge or anything. Those decisions are made based on other factors. But I wonder if as you get more sophisticated in your business, if you choose to go this direction, again, this is like, you know, the joy of freelancing is everyone can do it their own way. And if, if your goal is not to, to, you know, have employees and build a business, which I'm assuming yours is not, but some people's might be, you could, you could look at those numbers and say at, you know, at this breaking point, it's worth at this tipping point, it's worth me, worth it for me to hire like a VA who does most of my outreach or most of my proposals or right. Like I have a, I have a friend, um, Ian Padgett, who's on, uh, one of our other podcasts. Um, and he does logo design work. And he has a VA that like answers emails and sends proposals and does sort of that upfront work before a client ever talks to him so that um, he can just focus on like the creativity behind his design work and, and billable hours and that sort of thing. So yeah, it could, it could be, it could be interesting to see how that evolves for sure. And, and again, like it depends on what you're trying to build. You know, you, you are a big fan of this flexibility and in your lifestyle particularly and and like wanting to travel and not be tied down to a a business necessarily i don't think i could be wrong you tell me if i'm wrong but it seems like you're not interested in like scaling this to like a 30 person you know Mm -hmm. freelancing enterprise where you're all doing work together in a building somewhere um so you know it may not matter it i think it i think it depends on a lot on where your business is headed i hadn't really thought of that before the way you described it but that's totally true you can definitely get lost in the back and forth and for certain for certain project types like you're saying with the the logo design and creative work it that i can see why that'd be really valuable to to have someone else manage that and then you do what you're good at and let someone else take care of the rest yeah and if you can sort of build systems around talking to potential clients, you know, um, if you can get really good at those systems, then you can always source those out, which I've always been sort of a big fan of is like building something, testing it, figuring out the system, and then finding someone very talented um, who can come in and, and like run that system so that I can move on to sort of the the next thing that I like to do. And some people like the whole process of like finding a client, pitching a client, um, landing the client, figuring out the proposal, like all of that, that's fun to them. To me, that's not that fun. Um, and to some people it's not. So it just, I, I think it just depends. Like what, what do you want to build in terms of, you know, on this podcast, we talk about freelance life, not just freelance business. So what do you want your lifestyle to look like? How does your business fit into your lifestyle? What kind of work do you want to be doing? What do you not want to be doing? 
And I think the fun of it is everyone can build their own thing in their own way and, and live life and do business the way they want to be doing it. And, and um, I just think that's what's beautiful about freelancing and solopreneurship. Fantastic. Anything else we should be chatting about today? Oh, I think I think we've covered a, a good amount. I don't know. There's nothing pressing okay, on my mind. Okay, sounds good. Well, thanks so much. We'll talk next week. All right, see ya. All right, really quickly before we go, as a reminder, show notes for this episode will be found at freelancelifepodcast.com slash four. That's just the number four. And one more time, I would really like to thank the sponsors for this episode, our friends at FreshBooks. If you're ready to finally take hold of your freelance business, you should really give FreshBooks a try. They've got simple tools to help you send invoices and proposals, communicate with clients, get paid, manage projects, and a whole bunch more. To try FreshBooks free for 30 days, you can visit freshbooks.com Andy. And when they ask, how did you hear about us? Just type A-N-D-Y. My Freelance Life is a production of Milo.co. You can learn more about us at M-I-L-L-O.co, where you'll also find our other podcasts. The theme music for this show is a song by Joaquin Carud called Road Trip. And we will talk to you next time on episode five of My Freelance Life. See ya. Thank you.